With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Get us bellow away? Now, Charlie. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Get us bellow? Now, Charlie. Charlie, yes, I'm scared. Welcome to Suplexes and Cervezas with Chavo Guerrero Jr. I'm your host, Chavo Guerrero Jr. Hello and welcome to Suplexes and Cervezas with Chavo Guerrero Jr. I'm your host, Chavo Guerrero Jr. I hope everybody had a great uh, weekend this past weekend. I know I did. I was uh, in beautiful Laguna Beach, um, about 15 miles from my home, kind of a staycation, and uh, got a really, really cool hotel that was right overlooking the ocean enjoyed some awesome food some awesome drinks and um just some downtime was really really good good time very very blessed to live where i live here in southern california on to the podcast uh today we have um, a guy that i used to wrestle with in wwe uh fred rosser uh, who uh, you might know him in wwe as uh, darren young Really, really good wrestler. I first met Darren when uh, Eddie and I were uh, in New York somewhere, I believe, at the uh, Long Island Arena, the old Long Island Arena where the uh, Long Island Islanders play, uh, the hockey team. We were doing a backstage vignette, and they brought in one of the extra wrestlers that was there that night. This must have been like in 2002. They brought in Darren Young, and uh, he was just young, just must have been a 19-year-old, 20-year-old. He was playing a, a detective because, uh, you know, we were, Eddie and I were doing the light, cheat, and steal gimmick. And uh, he, he was so stiff and so green and so young. It was really, really funny uh, to uh, see him early, early on in his career. And later on, he came into WWE. And uh, in NXT, I was his uh, mentor for a, for a bit uh, on the show, on the NXT show. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, later on in, in WWE, after I had left already, uh, Darren came out as the first uh, openly gay superstar, wrestling superstar. And uh, I believe Pat Patterson had come out earlier before, but he was not, of course, wrestling anymore. He was just a uh, an agent and writer with WWE. Freddie, as we call him, Freddie or Darren, you know, he came out and uh, really showed that um, the cur- the courage that uh, it takes to come out to do that and came out to the world, really, not just to the locker room. Proved to everyone that you can be tough and gay at the same time. So um, really, really proud of him. Good friend of mine. And a guy that I support very much. Uh, he's out doing his thing wrestling right now in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and actually killing it, doing really, really good. And really, really support 
uh, my friend, and uh, I hope you uh, listen and like this podcast. I'm sure you will, but it's a great listen. Check it out. Um, don't forget to hit the uh, subscribe button and the like buttons and uh, help us keep going. For my boy Fred Rosser, a.k.a. Darren Young, um, hey, block the hate, right, brother? So here you go, and uh, enjoy this podcast, and God bless everybody, and uh, let me know what you think. So what's going on, man? Thanks for being here today. Uh, I appreciate it, Chavo. I always say, don't die with a story and you tell it. I should be calling you Coach Chavo because we go way back, baby. Coach Chavo. We do. We do go way back, right? We did a little bit of that, um, the, the NXT. What was it called? The, it was called yeah, NXT, NXT Redemption. Redemption like but sure. our history goes way back to, as I explained on my podcast, Pro and Pro Wrestling, uh, when I was yeah. an extra back in like 2004 or five, you guys were like feuding with the Bashams and I was, uh, Michael Hayes still remembers to this day so long ago, Detective Rosser. He still called me that even when I was signed. No way. Yeah, Detective Rosser, because that's how everyone remembered me, you know, and uh, from doing that. Shad Gaspar uh, was one of the guys that really would bring me into the locker room when I was so shy and timid, you know, he'd bring me into the locker room and he'd yell out to Ron Simmons, hey, Ron, I found your son here because at the time I had an afro. That's right. You know? I had to bring it yeah. back with this whole pandemic, but uh, Shad would always, uh, you know, embarrass me in a good way. And that's how people got to know me. That's funny, man. So let's tell a story real quick. By the way, I love the Afro. It looks awesome. Looks good on you. <laughs> looks good. Looks good. I, I went the opposite way. I just totally shaved it off during this 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 quarantine thing. But uh, whatever. That's good. Hey, if you got good hair, man, you, you, we got to embrace it. Yeah, we got to embrace our 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 good shaped noggins. Our heads are are, are shaped well. So. <laughs> Especially, you know, especially times like this, you know, I got to bring it back to uh, back in the day, the 70s and the 80s. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's back, but it's back, man. It's back. You know what? It's like what's old is new again. You know, everybody loves that stuff, like clothes and haircuts. And like I saw a guy with a mullet the other day. And everybody was like, yeah, like, like it wasn't like, you know, when I finally cut my mullet, mullet off and you know 90 whatever it was people were like all right thank god get rid of it we're get rid of that thing but now everybody was embracing it like like everybody was giving them high fives and loving it and like yeah joe dirt <laughs> oh goodness let's tell a story so so me and eddie tag teaming against i believe it was the bashams yes. we're doing a vignette backstage i believe it was in uh long island long island yes. um the, the arena there right and uh we had a we had a an extra playing uh, a detective in in our shoot. It was me and Eddie, and you. Yes. And then what happened? <laughs> well, and, and also this is when Vincent Mann was very hands on with the backstage skits from watching as an extra. He was right there, you know. So it was very nerve wracking right. for me. So Vince was actually producing it. Yeah, he was hands on, and it was my first time as an extra being backstage with WWE and I believe it was Ed Kosky who came up to me and was like, mm. can you play detective? 
And I confidently said yes. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what the hell did I get myself into? Because me, I'm just a nervous guy. Once I'm around you, I warm up. There's layers to me. But yeah. to be thrown into it, I said, oh my goodness. So I had simple lines. And uh, that whole afternoon, I'm practicing and practicing. And then when we start rehearsing, I'm just flubbing up my lines. And uh, after about like the 11th or 12th take, I finally got it right. But before then, this man was like, you know, I'm buying the Bashams and the Guerreros, but I'm not buying this detective. What are we going to do about it? And then I remember it like it was today. It was like a pause. And I don't know who said, all right, let's do it again. And then we did it again, like on the 12th, 12th try. We watched it back and they were happy with that. And like, it was that moment when I realized, oh man, I might never have a chance with WW again. But it was, you know, Uncle Eddie calming me down. You calming me calming me down be calm take it easy just you know you know you you guys are just calming me down but i just was just nervous amongst you guys you know let it, flow I, you know, natural. You guys let it be natural because yeah. exactly, you guys you were exactly. so like you were so stiff i mean you were sitting there like <laughs> literally like you would like not move you were like and you were like very robotic and we're like dude just kind yeah. of just relax man chill take yeah. it easy you know that was funny yeah well and right, i never and thought again, i'd see I'll, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never thought yeah, I'd I mean, see you again. And before you know it, I see you in uh it wasn't NXT back then. What was it? Was it Florida? Florida Championship Wrestling? FCW? Like the feeder territory? Yeah, yeah probably Florida Championship Wrestling. But uh it was Dr. Yeah. Tom Pritchard at the time that would yes. um tell me, he would tell me whenever WWE is in the Northeast to just, you know, show up. Uh, if you get to do something, if you get to work, then you can get paid. You can ask, you know, Sergeant Slaughter at the time who was in charge of the money or Tony Guerrilla who was in charge of the money with the briefcase. If you work, you work. If you don't, right. don't ask for money. Don't ask for money. So I would always show up. That's how I probably over 40 times being an extra until I got that one yes, because the door got shut in my face so many times and until I got that one yes. So it was Dr. Tom Pritchard, who I love, who would always encourage me to just show up. And then after a while, I think people got caught on to it. And then uh, when your name wasn't on the list, they would immediately kick you out. So someone spoiled it for me. And it was actually, and I love, and I love Tommy Dreamer, but eventually he took over and then he had got word of uh, me you know, going and, and um, not being on the list. And then he contacted my trainer in New Jersey saying that I couldn't show up to TVs anymore. So I was devastated. I had to be invited. Oh, I was devastated. Yeah. But um, yeah, I had to do what I had to do. And it was May 4th, 2009. Out of 75 guys and girls from all over the world, I finally earned my contract with WWE. Four days, I was a madman. You know what? I, I love that, man. I love that you actually didn't take no for an answer and you kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing. And everybody out there listening, that's, that's what it's about. Every one of us, including me, including Eddie, including, I mean, everybody, like, like Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team as a freshman. They didn't take no for an answer. You kept pushing and kept going. So don't take no and just keep, keep at it, man. That's awesome, man. Mate, hats off to you for that. Yeah, you know, I always use this one line I got from Denzel. Without commitment, you'll never start. But most importantly, without consistency, you'll never finish. So from 2003, yeah. well, 2002, 
September 11th, 2002 will be 18 years that I've been wrestling. So I'll be celebrating that tomorrow, actually. Uh, from 2002 to 2009, I grinded on the independence, uh, working in the Northeast, New York, doing what I had to do, working quality over quantity because I don't want to beat my body up. And when I get signed, then I'm all beat up. So uh, that's how I was taught, quality over quantity. And eventually I got signed uh, May 4th, 2009 and June 25th, 2009. The same day Michael Jackson died was the first day I stepped foot into FCW. Again, nervous, nervous again, nervous again. I'm just new to FCW and everyone's right. phone is blown up about Michael Jackson's passing. So that's how my journey started. Wow, man. That's, that's a great story, man. That's, that's, that's awesome. Say that quote again from Denzel. Without commitment, you'll never start. But most importantly, without consistency, you'll never finish. That's awesome. So, I like, that, I don't I, want that to get lost in the shuffle. I want people to listen to that. That's great. Yeah, and it's so true. You have to be consistent. And it's not easy. It, it's just not easy. Um, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. That's right. So my story isn't a story of a guy that just – um, got off the football field and then immediately got signed. You know, I got told no over 40 times by WW until I got that one. Yes. So you have to be consistent. And uh, my high school yearbook, the last sentence I said was WWF here I come in 2002. So I was like tunnel vision right out of high school and college. Yes. I joined the wrestling school in New Jersey and I just learned that 80 style calling it in the ring, calling it in the ring. Then after a couple of years, I'm like, oh, I'm getting tired of calling it in the ring. So that's when I ventured off to other schools to learn how to plan stuff, learn how to do a Japanese style match, you know, learn that mm -hmm. style. Because again, Dr. Tom Pritchard would always say, wrestling is all ice cream, just different flavors. So I learned the 80 style when I first started. I wanted to learn Japanese style. I wanted to learn all the styles. That's the way you do it, man. That's, uh, we always say that the, uh, the Guerrero style is a combination of everything that we learned. My grandfather told me that this business is called wrestling. So if you know how to wrestle, you're always going to have a job. So that's why we learned how to wrestle as heels. We learned how to wrestle as baby faces. We learned how to wrestle as singles, as tag teams, with small men, with big men, the American style, the Japanese style, the, the Mexican style, the European style. We learned, tried to learn everything so that we could always have a job and, and, and pivot to when, if they needed a tag team, we're there. If they needed a, you know, a heel, we're there. If they needed a baby face, we were able to do that also. Mm, wow. That's something that I, I anytime I do like a, a seminar, I'm always telling people, learn how to work with your opponent and adapt to your opponent, adapt to your circumstances, because you can't expect them to adapt to you because if they can't, then you guys are screwed. But if you're in the ring and you can work with anybody, like I said, a, a big man, a small man, you know, a Lucha Libre style, American style, brawling, punching, wrestling, well, then you can always have a good match. You're able to have a good match with anybody because you can adapt to their style. Yeah. You know, I had uh, Tyson Kidd on my podcast recently yeah. and uh, he said one of the biggest, uh, biggest honors is the respect of your peers, you know, uh, being sure. able to get in the ring with someone and be like, Oh, I'm not too sure about it. And then afterwards, man, this guy, 
really elevated me, you know? Uh, one of the biggest compliments I've gotten recently was being able, 2019, share the ring with Sean Spears. And then when he came back after our match, he's like, man, I needed that. Man, I'm just getting goosebumps just talking about it. That's, that's the biggest comp compliment for me. I love the fans and all that stuff, but the peers, you know, guys that can be like, man, you, you brought the best out of me. And that's always my goal. You know, if I'm a opening match type of guy, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm going to maximize my reaction in the shortest a bit of time. And uh, if the people are watching and the match is over, I want them to be on the edge of their seats, you know? So my goal is to always highlight the opponent, hide any weaknesses, highlight their strengths and get the biggest reaction I can in the shortest amount of time uh, if I'm doing an opening match or any type of match. That's the way to be, man. That's awesome. You were, um, you were born in Jersey. You, dirty you Jersey. Also? Dirty, yeah, Jersey. dirty Jersey. I had a lot of good times dirty, in Jersey. Dirty Jersey. I love it, man. Uh, I didn't move out until I got signed in 2009. And then I moved from Jersey to Tampa, Tampa to Miami. I lived in Miami for many years, traveling uh, with Big Show in and out of the airport and, and and sorry I get sidetracked but the one thing I love about living in Miami with the big show is like at least four times somehow he got me upgraded to first class I'm like I don't know how he did it but he somehow right. got me upgraded so I love living in Miami but yeah Jersey is where I uh, grew up and I say dirty Jersey because I get that from Whitney Houston she Everyone would always say, oh, where are you from? Oh, Dirty Jersey. So I stole it from her. Yeah, yeah. Much respect and love to Jersey. It just, uh, you know, a lot of times people say it, you know, and it's, uh, it's uh, I've, I love Jersey. It's great. Great, great people and good, good times. I've had a lot of good times. They've been, yeah. I've been to the, the Starlight Diner once or twice over there in Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. 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 Known for the diners. Yeah. I get it. Well, the, the, well, the Starlight Diner, too. So our boys would go all the time because it was open late. It's close to the airport, and we're staying by the airport. It was open late, but then it had a strip club connected to it, actually connected to it. So we would actually go have, you know, whatever it is. It could be, you know, 12 o'clock at night, and we'll you know, eat, you know, an omelet or whatever. And then we could go to the strip club. Not that I would go, but I heard people would go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good wow. thing you was there, too, like the, the – uh, the, uh, the manager would know us there and come in and it was always a good time. I was just kind of hanging out and, you know, I got kicked out a couple of times. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh. Oh. <laughs> always fun. Always fun. Uh, did you grow up a wrestling fan? Oh, since I came out the womb, you know, I was born. Oh, nice. November 2nd. Yeah. November 2nd, 1983. My dad was a big wrestling fan. So uh, I was just mesmerized by Hulk Hogan and those guys, Andre the Giant. And, you know, my dad would always record it and we had tons of VHS tapes. So I would watch and over and over again, study the matches. Just one name that pops in my head in particular. I always enjoyed watching Shane Douglas, like, and how he yeah. spoke. Like, I didn't understand why he was just so good but as a kid i would just listen to him talk and i didn't realize that he was a, a school teacher at one time but he was just so articulate with his words and um just you know the way he wrestled uh, just a baby face that sold and i always was drawn to the wrestlers that were like uh just selling brad armstrong 
uh, yes, is one of my Brad. is what, love- one of my personal one of my personal fr- favorites. I still watch today, not for the moves, but the way he moves, the way he gets in the ring. Um, yeah, he was special. Uh, yeah, um, just, just just the way he moved and sold, it was just very different. And that's you know, and we'll get into it. That's what I bring to the table now with New Japan. You know, they can see, man, he sells, he delivers, but. Guys, like I said, um, uh, Brad Armstrong, I was a huge fan of Bobby Eaton growing up. I didn't know why, but Bobby was just the way he saw, the way he threw that punch, uh, the way he delivered moves. um, I was just drawn to those guys. Um, Of course, a plethora of other superstars. Yeah, Bobby Eaton was one of those guys that being in the – most known for the Midnight Express that he was in back in the NWA territory in Charlotte and Georgia and kind of everywhere. Very, very famous tag team. Uh, he's a guy that with the wrestlers has a huge amount of respect. Everybody knows how good Bobby Eaton was. And if you weren't a fan in that era, then you may not know who Bobby Eaton is. And fans are like, oh, okay, I remember him you know, just doing some jobs in, in, in WCW. This guy was so good. I, the, mm-hmm. I, I remember he used to wrestle my dad back in the day. I got to wrestle him one time in uh, WCW at a, um, it must have been a, like a, a Saturday night tape or something like yeah. that. First of all, he talks, he kind of he talks like this. And he kind of, I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> That's the way he talks, but he, he's, a, he's the best. So basically he just we just kind of went out there and and called it in the ring or i just sat and listened and he called it in the ring but i couldn't understand what he's what he was saying so he goes uh Joe, hey can you uh can you go give me one of them uh, those uh go upcuts i'm in the ring locking and, and i'm tied up with him and i'm like what <laughs> he goes you know give me one of them, uh, them, uh, them upcuts i said uppercut and he said <laughs> so i give him an uppercut Oh my God. I, I, I thought I shot him with a bazooka. I, yes, I, ga- yeah. I gave him an uppercut. He took a bump and backed off and the people popped like crazy. And I kind of fired up and I was kind of first after I did, I was surprised like, wow. Oh, fire up. So I fired up. Yeah. He backed off and I was like, wow, this guy is so good. And then, um, you know, a couple other things we did, whatever. And then when I got done with the match and the match was basic, it was easy. We didn't do a whole bunch of things. When I got in the back, Prince Iakea pulled me over and goes, man, Chavo, your fire was amazing. It was great. And I'm like, that wasn't me, man. That was yeah. all Bobby. Yes. Bobby yes, did everything. That's, that's how good he actually was. Yeah. And as a kid, I just didn't, yeah, I just didn't know why. I just didn't know why I enjoyed watching him when he would take that post and it, and and he just made such a snap with it. I just didn't know why I liked him, you know, but now that's the biggest compliment coming from the back. Like I said, the respect to your peers. Yeah. Yeah. In wrestling, there is like, so compare wrestling to star Wars. There is no Darth Vader without Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker selling for Darth Vader and crawling makes Darth Vader who he is. And without in wrestling, if there's no selling with that from the baby face, there's, there's no heel. And then vice versa. If there's no registering from the heel in the, in that certain time, there's no, there's no baby face. So that's all storyline It's all what we're doing in those, in the ring is telling stories we're not wrestling and, and, and telling, um, you know, doing moves and stuff. And, and same with any other sport. 
you're you're telling a story in there. You're making the people feel. So the, in wrestling, thank God we're able to do that and kind of control that. But if there is, there's in, in wrestling, there is no Darth Vader if there's not a Luke Skywalker. So you wrestling, young wrestlers, remember that. You're going to hear it five million times. It's not the moves. The moves are great. They help tell the story, but they are not the story. Absolutely. Like after my release from WWE in 2017, I've always liked him. But in my head, I said moving forward, quality over quantity since day one. I always envision myself, and no one knows, the crowd doesn't know, I always envision myself being the black Randy Orton, meaning the way he gets in the ring, the way he throws one punch, one kick, a headbutt, he just switches it up. It's not boom, 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 boom. It's just different strikes, uh, the in-between stuff. So I try to, you know, visualize myself being him in my own way. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing. I say that a lot with, with Randy and other podcasts that I've done. Randy is, is one of the top, top out there. He's so good. And again, he, it's not that what he does, it's how he does it. Yeah. Randy does, you know, five or six moves. That's what in his, I'm sure he could do more, but he only does five or six and he does them so good and he does them at the right time. It's, it means yeah. everything. Yes, yes. So I mean, yeah. Anytime I do clinics, I always say if you if, if you want to watch past guys, watch Bobby Eaton. If you want to watch current guys, watch Randy Orton. Again, not for what moves he does, but just the in between stuff. You know, if he's going to deliver a su- suplex to someone, he takes his time, and then when he's up there, he just goes, and it just looks so smooth. There's no there's no slipping. There's just no, he just has you, you know what I mean? So I've got to share the ring with him just once. And uh, I remember he got very upset with Titus because Titus did something. I don't know. And then I got tagged in and I grabbed a hold and Randy, I got to keep it PG, but yeah, Randy yeah. said, Oh, you need to tell your partner how to work. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Tell your man. partner oh. how to fucking work. Here, I'll say it. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. That's exactly what he said. I have my earphones yeah. on. So that's perfect. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. Well, um, and it's funny cause Titus is, he's so strong. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Titus was such a strong guy, strong man that, you probably, you probably don't want to say it to Titus. I'll say it to his partner, but not to him, you know? Yeah. 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 That's and, awesome, you know, man. Yeah. And then uh, uh, speaking of Titus, like when he came to, I got signed to FCW and probably a couple months later, uh, off off football, out of football or whatever, he came into FCW and he got signed. Uh, Dave Batista referred him to Steve Kern and that's how it all took off. And when he started training, uh, no one wanted to get in the ring with him except for me. I would be the first one there to work out with him in the ring and the last one to leave to just tell him, hey, big man, you don't uh, – he's not a Keith Lee, you know, but you just need to just stand in the middle and then we'll just bounce off you, you know. You right. throw a clothesline, stay in the center, you throw a boot, and I'll just, I'll just recoil off you, you know. So I was there helping him. So that's one thing that he'll always bring up that I helped him in the ring the way he helped me out in the ring was I would say the most intimidating thing about Vincent Mann is his office door. He would barge in there and say, Hey boss, what you got for us? 
So closed mouths don't get fed. I learned that from Titus, you know, to sometimes you just got to bust in the door and let the boss know what you want, you know? So that's, he learned from me. I learned from him. Right, right. And let's tell the truth why people didn't want to wrestle Titus. Because he just sweats so damn much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guy, I mean, he swelled, but I just, just as a joke, is kidding. But man, I never seen somebody sweat like him. Like he would literally be working out, and just water would just be dripping off him. I go, man, we got to get you like an <laughs> IV or something, man, because man, the, the ring is wet, man. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> That's funny, and I, right? And, and I would tell Titus because when we when we would do tag matches on live events, it's always like. 80 20 80 20 he he does the uh he does the hot tag and i'm taking heat which i love you know right but you know he's eating like he's sitting down eating right before the match i'm pacing back and forth biting my nails <laughs> like making sure i have my stuff and making sure he has his stuff you know what i mean and he's just right. relaxing and then there would be times i'd be like hey you're taking the heat tonight big man Oh, 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 what do you mean? No, 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 no. You're taking the heat tonight because I'm tired of it. You got to put in some work, man, because I'm taking the heat and doing all the driving, even though he hooked it up with the hotels and <laughs> Titus had to hook up on a lot of things. But I'm like, man, my body's beat up, man. I need a break. Yeah, man. He's a uh, Titus O'Neill. If, if you don't know who he is, uh, uh, look him up because he's a, a, a great wrestler, great humanitarian. Yes, a, yes. A le- yeah, a legend in the Florida football area. Like, Oh my God, he guy was like, he, he was like the man for a long time. Yeah, he sure was. But, but this interview ain't about him. It's about me. That's right. That's right. Titus, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I just kidding. Hey man. Yeah. So, so um, who trains you? How did you, so uh, how'd you break in? Who trained you? And like, you, did you grow up in uh, start wrestling in the Jersey area or what, what happened? Well, I did backyard wrestling because I was just like crazy hooked uh, into this uh, type of work, this type of business. But I joined a little wrestling school in the Northeast, uh, IWF Wrestling School, Independent Wrestling Federation. I was trained by a guy that never made it to the business, but he had a good sense of like, um, make sure you have you know, clean gear, make sure you have boots, make sure you have a tan, make sure you have eight by tens, all that stuff. He, he, he made sure that he made sure that it was professional. Um, And he taught me that 80 style, how to call them the ring and how to watch uh, how the old timers perform. So I got a great education with Kevin and uh, Kevin Knight, what's his name? The owner, the trainer got great education with him. And he, Gave me a lot of great shots with WWE as an extra. Uh, the first legend I got to work was Honky Tonk Man. So I learned uh, I learned a lot from him, how to take your time and oh, all that man. stuff. What's that? <laughs> just shut up and listen, kid. Yes, yes. <laughs> we got some yes, good stories of Honky yes, Tonk Yes, man. and I did. And I did just that. He's, he's awesome. What a character in and out of the ring. In Wayne Ferris, Honky Tonk Man, a legend in the business and a guy that's a legend out of the business too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. From the time I wrestled him in 2003, he remembered me still to this day uh, because I think, yeah, you were there earlier this year. We did a, uh, at, at the LAX hotel, something like that. We did sure. like a convention um, before the pandemic, but he was there and he remembered me from, earlier in my career and, he, and when I shared the ring with him, he always said, you know, because my name back in the, back in the day was Fred Sampson. Uh, he was like, you know, 
you know, that's Samson. That's Samson. He's going to be somebody someday, you know. So he said that <laughs> early in my career. And then when I see him earlier this year, he just, like, gives me a big hug and so nice. And I'm like a little kid, you know, because I don't care how long I've been doing this. I'm still uh, – I, I fanboy over Kurt Angle. I fanboy over all the OGs. Like, it doesn't matter. Kurt Angle was one of my favorite wrestlers uh, sure. growing up. So anytime I'm around these guys' presence, I'm just fanboying. I agree. I agree. How did you get the call – to WWE and going and uh, tell us that story. Yeah, so I did a, a, a four-day tryout. It was like my last resort because if I hadn't gotten signed with WWE, most likely, yeah, most likely I, I was thinking about giving up. You know, it was uh, either WWE or the fire department. You know, I was going to be a firefighter. I was number three on the list, but I did this last tryout with WWE, a paid tryout, tryouts nowadays you get invited and it is what it is but I had to pay to do a trial so they wanted serious people and <clears throat> I remember before I got signed I was doing a Frederick of Hollywood gimmick where I had a fur coat uh, I had flashing sunglasses my hair was spiky up um, I, I was like a South Beach party boy so uh, I remember when I got to the tryout, um, it was four days and I was like a madman, a madman. And then probably like the third day is when we had to do promos. And I was nervous, I was kind of hesitant because one, I wasn't out publicly, I was still closeted. So I was kind of uh, nervous about being, you know, flamboyant and feminine and all that stuff uh, in character for the tryout. So I kept all that fancy stuff out in the rental car. And I remember sitting there uh, in FCW and I'm like shaking. I'm like, man, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to show them what I got. I got to show them what I got. And I remember running out to my car and getting all of my props and all that stuff. And when it came to promos, all eyes were on me and I nailed it. And I nailed it from the promo to uh, the four days. I just killed it. And I remember Pat Patterson sitting in the control room at Florida Championship Wrestling and like he was probably supposed to be quiet, but he loudly said, oh, I like him. He got a good look. He got a good look. So <laughs> yeah. I could hear that. I'm like, oh, man. So the fourth day uh, when, you know, they were really looking at me, it was Steve Kern that had brought me into um, the office and said, oh, we're looking at signing you. And I just I just lit up. I said, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm clean. I'm not on anything, you know. Uh, I got signed May 4th, 2009. December 2008 was the last time I ever took a enhancement supplement. Sure. And, and Steve said, Steve Kern said, all right, well, that's what we were uh, concerned about because I was in great shape, you know, but I was yeah. clean as a whistle. So ultimately I got signed. The same day I got signed was the same day AJ Lee got signed. So oh, she's nice. crying her, she's crying her eyes out. And two Jersey people got signed the same day. So. And we, 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 we were the only ones that got signed that day. Other people might've got called up, uh, but we were the two that got signed and then it just took off. And I remember Ken Kennedy that afternoon that I got signed because I stayed after, like, I'm already signed. Like what, after the trot's over at three, what am I going to do? Like go party somewhere? No, I wasn't a partier. I just like stayed there. And I remember Ken Kennedy, he was working out in the ring, um, maybe coming back from an injury, but I, I don't know. But uh, he congratulated me on getting signed. And um, 
he said, well, when are you moving down? I said, oh, I don't know. He said, you better move down as soon as possible. So that's when I moved. Uh, I got signed May 4th and I moved, <clears throat> I moved to Tampa in June and then the rest was history. So I was, I was amongst the guys, Alberto Del Rio, Seamus, uh, Trent Beretta, uh, 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 Justin Gabriel. These guys, we were all training in the morning, crisscrossing and doing drills and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, my life took off forever, man. And, you know, I'm, that's a great group right there, man. That's a great group. All those guys you named were, you know, were all great wrestlers and, and people that have been in the business for a long time. Sure. Sure. So just being amongst these guys, uh, I was, I was, I was very blessed, but eventually, uh, NXT, the show came about the first season of NXT and they were looking for guys and I was hungry. I was always the first one there, last one there in developmental because I wanted it. And um, eventually I got the call from John Laurinaitis about being a part of the first season of NXT and then it took off. Right, right. Circling back a little bit, man, something you said. Um, so, so tell me about how was your, your, your coming out in an industry that yeah. didn't not necessarily had uh, many gay people in it, but mm -hmm. people that, that hadn't come out and maybe until after they were wrestlers, but you were like yeah. the first active WWE performer to publicly come out. Yeah. I mean, I, I was at the top in my mind, in my heart, I was at the top of the mountain. I finally achieved my dream with WWE in 2009. But fast forward to maybe 2012, 2000, 2012, I was living in Miami and then I found love, you know, so I was living a double life. Um, you know, when I'm in Miami, I'm doing my thing. When I'm on the road, I'm just, you know, I'm just one of the boys trying to fit in. And uh, I was just, I was just tired of living a lie and it was just eating me up inside. And I ultimately came out to the world and it was the best decision, <clears throat> best decision I ever made because I didn't have to hide anymore. I didn't have to cut wrestling promos like this to sound more masculine, to deepen my voice. I didn't have to do that anymore. I could just mm -hmm. be me. I could be able to bring my part. I don't like using the word partner. People say, oh, my partner. My, I wanted to be able to bring my boyfriend to WWE Red Carpet. I wanted to be able to bring him backstage into the masculine world of professional wrestling. And I was able to do that. Everyone at the time, my, uh, my boyfriend, his name was Nikki. I would bring him backstage. Everyone was so nice to him from Brooklyn Brawler to uh, Harvey, uh, Harvey Whippleman, uh, Bruno, just everyone from production to the superstars were just so nice to him. And I was happy. I didn't have to, <clears throat> uh, uh, girls are great, you know, but I didn't have to bring a, a girlfriend to uh, the red carpet for- and, uh, and, and play that game, play the game and live that lie. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to just be me. And uh, so I ultimately sacrificed my WWE career to ultimately inspire others to be and accept themselves. So, you know, I always say my fight is much more bigger than in the ring. It's outside of the ring, fighting bigotry and hatred and, you know, trying to be the voice of the voiceless when it, when it comes to the LGBTQ community or anyone 
that gets bullied into silence. So, yeah, you know, from guys like Randy Orton, Big Show, uh, <clears throat> Mark Henry, those guys made it a lot easier for me to walk into a locker room. I remember before, even before I came out and I was new to the roster, just coming up, walking into the locker room, I had a gold sequence around my head. And I remember Mark Henry, we all know, and I could talk crap about Mark Henry. Sure. But I drove him, I drove him around for five years. You know what I mean? So uh, I remember walking into walking into a locker room and he's just sitting there long winded. Hey boy, why you got your hair like that? It makes you look gay. And that's what he told me, you know, before mm -hmm. I even came out. And I was stuttering over my words. I said, Mark, Mark, I'm just, I'm just trying to look different. I'm just trying to stand out. And fast forward to when I came out, he was one of the first guys that called me up. Hey, man, how come you didn't tell me? I got cousins that are gay, man. I love right. you, you know? So it was guys like him and I said Randy Orton who embraced me with open arms, you know, gave me a hug and, you know, supported me. CM Punk, this was when he, 2013, when he had his match with Brock Lesnar. He was all iced up and he came he came up to me at the Staples Center uh, in catering and he told me to stand up I'm, because I'm watching a show. I, and I stood up and he said, give me a hug. So I gave CM Punk a hug. And he said, I, I heard about you coming out, man. It's very courageous. If you have any problems with anyone in the locker room, you let me know. And that meant the world to me because he was my first coach on uh, the first season of NXT. And we didn't say, hardly anything to each other because you know you know CM Punk is CM Punk you know so right. like me and me I'm being shy and all that stuff so two two total like opposites but for him to do that in 2013 uh it, it meant the world to me so anytime I talk about my coming out story and people that supported me in WWE he's one story I always talk about you know man you're you're a, a role model and an inspiration for so many people, whether it be LG, you know, BDQ yeah. or, or anything, you're, people that are, are having problems and are trying to find themselves. You're like a, a huge inspiration for that. And I really mean that. And that's, and that's something why I wanted to have you on my podcast, because I just wanted you to know what you, what you mean uh, to, not just the world of wrestling, but the world um, in general, man. Yeah. It's something that's very, very courageous. That's something that will be looked up to. That's something that when I heard, I was like, man, gosh, dude. I was like, I, 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 I'm happy for you. And I feel for you that you had to not, you had to keep it in the shadows for, you know, a long time for a lot of your life, for your professional career. And it's, it's tough, man. Cause if you, if I look at that, and look at it from a different point of view, from my point of view. If I wasn't able to tell anybody that I like girls or, or whatever I like, that would be hard, man. That'd be really, really, really hard. And so, man, I, I just got to tell you, man, just, you know, if I had a hat on, I'd, I'd take it off to you, man. You know, I always say, think of your most downest moment in your life in times about 10. That's how I felt. I'm 36. At 30 years old, when I came out, I just was tired of living a lie. And I wanted to be able to have my cake and eat it, too. I wanted to be able to live my dream as a WWE superstar. But also, um, personally, I wanted to be able to 
I love whoever I wanted to love. And finally, I was able to do that. So, I, Travel, I always say with my story, I'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist, but I am a friend. And when I've met a handful of fans, uh, either at the airport or at the hotel, and they contact me months later on social media saying that they want to commit suicide, that's when I have to kind of like start sending video messages, talking them out of it. One guy yeah. in particular, one guy in particular, he was a fan and he was a straight guy. He was an ally. He had just, and I had met him. He had broke up with his girlfriend at the time and he told me he was having thoughts of suicide. And then that's when I had to send messages and all that stuff to talk him out of it. He appreciated it. Probably a year and a half later, he had contacted me and said, oh, I have a new girlfriend. Well, actually a new fiance, he was gonna be getting married. So I was so happy for him. So just imagine, I could have possibly saved a life. So again, you know, this fan that I met, I could have just threw, threw his story under the rug and not said anything, deleted the DM, <clears throat> not taking him seriously. And then he would have committed suicide. That's terrible. That's why I always say my fight is much more bigger than in the ring. It's outside of the ring doing what I do. For sure, man. I, I get exactly what you're saying with that with fans and, and, and being able to reach out to them and um, help them in a small different way on a, on a different avenue as, um, as yours. My, um, the Latino community comes up to me a lot and they used to come to me and Eddie all the time, but they always say, you know, Hey, thank you for doing what you, what you do for, for La Raza, for, you know, for our people, because we don't have a lot of people in the, you know, in pro sports, in, you know, in Hollywood or whatever, and you're representing, you're representing us. So when I started getting that and Eddie too, when we first started getting that backstory before that, we just wanted to be wrestlers, like our family, man, we just wanted to like follow in their footsteps and that's it. Like we just like, we lived, breathe, ate wrestling. We had a wrestling ring in the backyard. That's what we did. So for us to be able to touch people and have them say that they, that we represent them, man, it's like, it, first of all, it feels like, wow, it feels great. It's like, Hey, Whoa. Okay. And I could, we need to start rethinking our decisions because i'm not just making a decision for myself i'm making a decision for almost a a, a group a community in a sense mm -hmm. so i i definitely feel what you're saying and a difference you know a different plane but yeah for sure man and that's something that that man i, I admire very much well <clears throat> like you said representation is so important uh representation to me is so important since mm -hmm. coming out i've been able to paved the way for other LGBTQ athletes That's like right. uh, Sonya Deville, Jake Atlas, who's making moves in NXT. Uh, I always say though, by, for me being, not to toot my own horn, but by being the first openly gay WWE toot superstar. Toot it, toot it, man, toot it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By being the first, I've been able to pave the way for other LGBTQ athletes in wrestling and beyond to come out and live their life and not allow the opinions of others to derail them on their journey to greatness. And, you know, by being the first other LGBTQ athletes that come out, they now have a duty to instill confidence in our youth and to lead by example. So um, that's why my whole block to hate movement is so important and so meaningful to me. You know, the block to hate movement that I started when I came out is 
in this world, we all receive hate for various reasons, but in order to be strong and successful, you've got to block the hate. And I, I always say at the end of the day, I want this to be the next middle finger. It's the equality sign for all. Uh, you tell me I can't achieve my dreams because I'm overweight or I have a speech pop problem or something like that. Well, you know what? Block the hate. So that that's my message to the I world. Love I love that, man. Being, there's something to be said, being true to yourself more than, you know, your neighbor or what people think. But when you're true to yourself, that's, that, I think that's, that's everything, you know, that, that means everything. Yeah. And like, I don't know what people are thinking. If you're not going to have a match, I'm, I'm coming to work to fight. You know what I mean? I, I don't care what you do behind closed doors. You shouldn't care what I care, what I do behind closed doors. We're coming to fight and we're coming to see who's going to uh, go to the pay window. You know what I mean? I'm not worried about all that stuff, you know? It, doesn't, it, shouldn't, matter. it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and I say this a lot. It doesn't matter to me if you're, if you're white, you're black, you're brown, you're purple. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, if you're a woman, if you're a man. If you're cool, you're cool. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. And that, I think that should be the only time that you actually don't want to be around somebody is if they're just a jerk, an asshole. Okay, get get out of my face, you know. But it shouldn't matter what yeah. what you know, color, creed, sexual preference. It, it shouldn't matter that. And that's something that I I think sometimes for me, and it's almost a fault that I I, I fight for that a lot. To where when I see somebody being bullied or mistreated, and, and in a sense that like I, I I don't I don't stop I keep I keep you know that's like ah oh, that's my thing to help those persons because I remember the times that I wasn't treated right you know then and it hurt it hurt me you know being either being a um, being discriminated against as a Latino or you know being you're too small you're too short or bullied by a big guy man I don't I I still to this day that it that irks me so much. And now that I can kind of do something about it, I, I, <laughs> sometimes I shouldn't do something about it, but man, I, I, just something that I, I just, it, it, it just bothers me. It's like, man, just love. When did love and respect go out of style? Right. It's something that we have yes. to, we have yes. to bring back that love and respect and not even talking about political climate and all that kind yes. of stuff that's going on right wow. now. But it's like, man, we just got to, Man, just like I don't, I I may not agree with you, but like I I love you until you're, yes. until you're not deserving of my love, until you're you're pushing me to not love you. You know, saying, yes. "Come on, guys, yes. this, I'd I'd rather buy you a beer than punch you in the face." Yes, I agree. I agree. Ditto to that. I don't drink right? anymore. I haven't I uh, I haven't drunk since August 2017 when I moved out to LA full time uh, because I don't want to have to be dependent on it uh, because. Right. Even with WWE, like people ask me, oh, like, what was your favorite city to uh, visit? I always say my entire memory in on the Indies and with WWE, I remember some, but a lot of it is very foggy because I still talk about it to this day when I do interviews uh, about me having personally having drinking problems. I would drink before matches. I would drink before being stars. You know, if, if you have a be a star at 9 a.m., I would be up 6.30 having my Tito's vodka with some crystal light, like, you know, to kind of. That's crazy, man. I didn't, no one knew. I didn't know. Yeah. It just looked normal yeah. to me. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I just hit it so well. I had gum in my mouth. I, I would brush my teeth before I left the hotel room. So I didn't want to have to be dependent on that when I came out to L.A. full time. So I always say I, I traded Tito's vodka for green tea. So if uh, when bars were open and I had to be there for an event, like I would always go to the bar and say, do you guys have any hot tea, green tea, any tea? And two times I had to be at a bar because of work. Uh, they provided me with tea and I was having a good time. I don't, I don't need any of that stuff. So me personally, right. I always say, I always say, you can drink all you want, travel. Just don't be violent with me or anyone else. I'm running. <laughs> I'm running. No, because. no, no. I, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> well, like right now, this is this suplexes and cervezas with Chavo is right now suplexes and champagne. I'm drinking a little bit of a little bit of the bubbly right now. Well, <laughs> well, if I was there in person doing uh, the podcast with you, I would say instead of me doing a shot to that, you would have to do a shot to uh, um, apple cider vinegar. That would be my uh, shot that Ooh. we would do. That's that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one, man. Uh, can you pick something at least taste a bit like just Raider green tea or some chamomile or something like that, no, man? No, no, it's got to be Jeez. apple cider vinegar because apple cider vinegar. Head. Oh my gosh, Coach Coach Bob Backlund got me onto that, and I still do it that's to this right. day. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's awesome, you know? man. That's awesome. But going yeah, back so, to what's that? Go no, 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 no. I'll, no, no. I'll edit that. I'll edit that out. Go ahead. Go on. Uh, no, I was just going to go into. Uh, Do it, oh, please, man, please. Go ahead. We'll edit, no, we'll edit all that out. <laughs> go ahead. I forget what I was going to uh, ask you now. Uh, forget it. Coach, back, worry, Coach Backlund and uh, it's Coach Backlund. You're saying something. All right, we'll go into. So let's go back to the Nexus. And you're part of that, um, that faction that was actually um, – it burnt out way before that it should have, but man, it made a huge <laughs> impact when you guys did. Yeah, I mean, the Nexus had a galvanic effect. Again, another thing that I was kind of thrusted into from the first season of NXT, it was, it was a night that I'll never forget in Miami, Florida. I remember all the Nexus members were in an office with Vince and Michael Hayes and then maybe Dean Malenko and they were just kind of mapping out what exactly we would be doing and Vince said if anything looks weak if anything if there are any hiccups you know you're going to be fired so that was like the threats that wow. were being thrusted onto us I don't know if you've ever been I don't know if you've ever been threatened like that but yeah like we, we were told by Vince if it if, if, stuff looks weak you're gonna get fired so we had to deliver. you guys are coming to play man you guys yeah. are laying it in because it looked like wow you guys are you guys are bringing it i was like damn you guys tore up the ring and if anybody who's listening had had not known what the nexus was was a bunch of these guys that were at the nxt the training facility for for rest for wwe and they came up and made a huge impact and like jumped i think it was john cena or who was that who it was or yeah you guys beat you guys beat up everybody and you guys beat up justin roberts the uh the uh the announcer and tore the ring up and stuff and it was like an impact and we were all in the back going wow these guys this is awesome they came to play the crowd was stunned they were quiet that's what you call in wrestling white heat where there's so much heat that they shut up and they just watch like uh whoa this was crazy great 
Oh, I never heard of that. I never heard of that white heat. White heat. I, I white never heard heat. Of that. And it's rare. It's rare. It's rare. Yeah, a, it's, it, you can't get it mistaken because there's two, there's a, there's a quiet heat also to where you, you're getting heat and people either don't care or they want to change the channel. That's, that's not good. But yeah, white yeah. heat is when they're so in awe. They're just sitting there watching and they're just like, like, wow. Like we're not, our eyes can't leave, but our mouths don't work. Yeah, yeah. Good. And that's, I remember that's very rare. And I remember I was in charge of Mike Eaton. I'm sure you remember him. Mike Eaton was the timekeeper. Mark, tra- Mark Eaton, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Mike yes. Mark Eaton. No, Mark Eaton, uh, yes, sir. Yes. Great guy. Yeah. I, I was in charge of like knocking him out. And I could I remember it like it was yesterday. I could see the fear in his eye. I wasn't gonna kill him. Like, I mean, come but on. This is not a wrestler. This is a guy that's the timekeeper that's been with <laughs> WWE for probably 20 or 30 years. That's mm. just the, that's the timekeeper, and he's down there. That just was really there to give us signals and stuff. And now that she's, yeah. all of a sudden you have this big, jacked up, mad yeah. <laughs> brother that's going to beat yeah. your ass. Exactly. It is what it is. I grabbed him. I could see the fear in his eyes. And as I was punching him, he, he was already like falling. So I had to follow through. So it looked good on yeah. camera. Uh, right. And then after they edited the footage uh, for like uh, highlights and stuff like that, they sped up the footage, you know, but mm. yeah, he was already falling. He did not want of this. He did not want none of that. And good thing I followed through, but yeah, we caused havoc. It's just, Unfortunate, it didn't last as long. I think from you know uh, our story, they learned their mistakes, and you know you have the shield that did incredible things. But yeah, with the Nexus, I'll never you know I'll never talk bad about the moment because I'm happy that we did it. You know, one thing about me, I talk about on podcasts is I'm not gonna be one of those grizzled vets that talks bad about the company. Me, I had great experiences in WWE. I'm very uh, uh, happy and uh, great experiences with Vince McMahon. You know what I mean? He gave me an opportunity to do my Bob Backlund and make Darren Young great again. So uh, he heard me out loud and clear. So I'm happy with my experiences with WWE. Yeah, you know what? That's one of those things that it's it's such a... It's a, a, a weird subject, a, t- a touchy subject, because for everything that's great about WWE, there's things that aren't, and and yes, people will do yes. people, and then that's like with any job, of course. But people will dwell on that, you know, and, and everybody's guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Yes. The way you look at it, like I always say that there's no way I'd be able to do what I'm doing now in um, in Hollywood and behind the scenes and stuff without the tutelage and the guidance of, uh, of Vince McMahon. Of I've learned course. so much for them. And then without them even really teaching me, just me observing him, um, you know, being in the truck and watching everybody, you know, uh, all, the, all the guys there. And, and hold on. Who was the, who was the name of the guy that, um, the director? Uh, the remainder, uh, Kevin Dunn, uh, yes. and watching like Kevin Dunn and everybody there, like it was, um, it's something that that it really helped me out through my uh, my Hollywood career for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, like you know, if I were to talk it again, I've had great moments and I've had some upsetting moments. One ex- one upsetting moment was 
the first time I think we were going to Abu Dhabi. And uh, at first, me and me and Lana were on the tour and we were ready to go. And then they took us off the tour. And I was just upset, you know. Uh, Abu, Abu Dhabi is not really accepting of uh, women and uh, the LGBTQ movement. So I was very upset. And of course, I went to Twitter on purpose and I was, I was booty hurt. I was boo-booing and like, oh, I'm very upset that, you know, WWE is going to Abu Dhabi. Uh, I wonder why they're going to Abu Dhabi. Hashtag millions of dollars, because that's what our catchphrase Titus and I uh, were. Hashtag millions of dollars. So I was just upset. And I remember social media, the social media police in WWE, they contacted me and said, oh, do you mind taking down that tweet? I said, no. I said, if anyone has a problem with it, they can call me up if they have a problem with it. A couple minutes later, I get a, I get a New Hampshire number. And, <clears throat> and that's, I guess that's Triple H's personal uh, number. So he called me up and he was like, the whole time he was like, uh, uh, you know, Darren, we're just, you know, worried about your safety. But at the time I was just upset, you know, I wanted to go to Abu Dhabi. Why are you going over there? So again, we have great moments and we have moments like that, you know, that upset me. Well, that goes back to you, um, you know, block the hate and standing up for, for what is right. Unfortunately, the rest yeah. of the, a lot of the world has not embraced those yet, you know, and, uh, and we're still having some trouble here in, in the United States, you know. So hopefully one of these days um, we can get past all that and we can actually, just like I said, love each other, man. It doesn't matter who you are, or what you do, and just just – just love, man. That's, <laughs> I don't know why that's not so, that's it's not hard, man. It feels good. Don't get me started, Chava. Don't get me started. That's why, I, that, that's why I always say, uh, every time my feet touch the ground, I know someone's counting on me. If someone asks me about what our current president is doing in an interview, I'm going to say, you know, unfortunately, I can't control what our president does. I can only control my actions. And that's every great. time my feet touch the ground, someone's counting on me every morning. So that's why my whole block the hate movement is so meaningful to me. That's, you see how I pivot that back to me? I can't right. talk about what's going on. We know what's going on. This interview is about me. See, that's that, that's WWE, right. that's that WWE media training that helped me out a lot. You know, <laughs> yeah, you that's right. I love it. You know, you, you can keep going back to him, but it's going to be about me, myself, and I. So, And that's one thing. WWE, when I first came out, they threw media training on me. And at the time I was like, you're not going to tell me what to say. I'm going to say whatever I want, you know, but it really helped me out. It helped me gather my stories and be a better storyteller. Uh, sorry, be a better storyteller and all that stuff. So like the media training is. Yeah. Up. You know what? We, we didn't get it right away. We got it after a few years that I was there. Uh, many years, maybe like um, 2005, maybe. Uh, but I remember Vince McMahon was part of it, and he sat us down, and he showed the the video of him and Bob Costas. Oh, and he showed how he was Bob was just riling him up and got under his skin, and Vince was just acting like you know just yep. just was so pissed. And he says, "Well, you couldn't see off camera is that." is basically they had a camera on me but you know uh bob was rolling his eyes and shaking his head and just trying to get a rise out of him so when he got done with the kind of the interview and vince storms off <laughs> the threatening bob costas and stuff vince was like okay everybody don't do that <laughs> he's yeah. like don't do what i just did and exactly. what you want to do is get up 
say thank you for the interview. I appreciate it and walk out. You don't need to engage in yeah. that. And, um, and it's kind of in life a little bit, you know, if you're walking away, someone's still chasing you and still grabbing you. Okay, different story. But it's like, yeah. you want to engage, you know, hey, man, have a good day. I'm out of here. You know, because yeah. you can't really, I'm going to walk away once. I'm going to walk away twice. I probably won't walk away the third time. But, you, you, you know, you're pretty much, you know, the same way you, you, you can't, can't beat me pretty much, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. so it's, yeah, I just don't need to engage. And you're right, for sure. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, fast forward now, now we're uh, getting back into wrestling, man. You're uh, got a little stint with New Japan, huh? New Japan I'm Pro Wrestling. The there it is. I see I'm it. I'm shirt. You know? I love it. How, how it all started, and I've been waiting to tell this story. Um, I've always been cool with Lance Hoyt. Him and yeah. I came up in uh, Florida Championship Wrestling in 20, 2010. Fast forward to t- 2019 of last year. This uh, New Japan flyer he gave to me. We were in the show, me and Lance Hoyt, September 2019 in Pomona, California, and he gave me this. And he said, come to a New Japan show because I had told him, you know, I wrestled with WWE, but uh, I've never, anytime, I, uh, sorry, correction. I've wrestled all over the world um, except for Japan. You know, I've never, anytime WWE did a tour of Japan, I was either on the UK tour or not on tour at all. And um, it's always been a bucket list of mine. So he told me to uh, come to the show at the Globe Theater in L.A. Uh, November, uh, November 11th. So the show was at 7 p.m. Uh, I like to get to the building early. I was there like 5 p.m. to meet the wrestlers, to look at the ring, to see if I fit in with their style. And that was the one question that was going through my head thousands and thousands. I felt like a thousand of times. So I was in a, like a little VIP area that they had set up where I could watch the show from beginning to end. And that's the one question that kept rolling in my head. Do I fit in? And at the end of the show, I was like, man, I definitely belong here. So after the show, I stayed. I talked to Rocky Romero and I told him, you know, man, uh, whatever I have to do, if I have to try out, um, uh, I tried out with WWE and I earned my contract. If I have to go to the New Japan Dojo, I'll try out because, you know, I'm confident enough that they'll like me. And we had our talk, Rocky Romero and I, in November, and nothing really happened. <clears throat> 2020 hit. Um, January and February, I started doing my first ever musical I had signed on to. Like you, travel, you're, you're doing different projects and everything. In January, I had signed on to do my first ever musical in New York. Wow. So really, that's in, awesome, brother. Yeah, live, living in California, I was out in New York for about two months working on this musical where I was singing, dancing, and um, and acting. And I'm 36. At 26, I probably wouldn't have signed on to this uh, musical because oh, people who are in Broadway theater are gay and stuff like that i was still thinking like that i was still thinking like mm-hmm. that but the world, the world was it wasn't just you the, the world yeah was. yeah and uh i always tell people it was chris jericho that kind of he didn't personally encourage me but from his stint on dancing with the stars i had realized man everything jericho's in everything he had did dancing with the stars so it's like you know he 
I mean, he's got his hands in everything. So that's when I made the decision to sign on to this musical. And <clears throat> I did it January, February, the best decision I ever made. So uh, as we speak now, they're looking for a live streaming network, Amazon or Netflix to pick up this musical about marriage equality, where it was theater and reality TV going head to head. It was great. It was a lot of fun. And I would definitely do it again in the heartbeat. So that was January and February. Then the pandemic happened. And then probably May or June is when Rocky Romero from New Japan reached out to me. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, he told me about this opportunity of coming to New Japan. And I said, Rocky, can I get back to you? Because I've got to, I, I can't, I'm a man of my word. I can't say yes to him. And then I check with my family and they say, no, I had to check with my family. I, I, I had to, talk, I had to speak from the heart. Mm -hmm. I said, Rocky, let me get back to you. Let me talk to my family. And my family ultimately blessed me to say, yeah, give it a shot. It sounds like a great idea. New Japan is doing everything correctly when it comes to COVID testing and all that stuff. I'll get tested every day if I have to. I don't care, you know, to do what I love to do, and that's entertain and wrestle. So uh, my family blessed me. I called up, uh, well, Rocky. Rocky had texted me two days later, oh, have you talked to your family? And at the time, I hadn't talked to him. I said, Rocky, just give me till tonight. I'm going to talk to them. And I ultimately talked to them and they said yes. And then I called up Rocky and I said, yeah, let me, let me join New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that's when we started doing shows in July and August, preparing for my debut, which just happened last week. And it's been getting great, great coverage, great news. All the comments I read, it, it, it's the same thing, man. Uh, I didn't know that he could adjust so well. Just from my one debut match so far, there's plenty to come. But a lot of fans and even uh, Kevin Kelly said that I adjusted so well. Uh, I fit in with the style. And <clears throat> that meant the world to me because, um, again, it's been a dream of mine to, bucket list dream of mine to do New Japan. Now I'm here and I'm delivering and the best is yet to come. I always say I have so much left to give. I have so much left in the tank. And yeah, man, like <clears throat> I'm having a lot of fun. And at first it was intimidating because I had never, I had just watched the stuff on TV, New Japan. And uh, even as a kid, New Japan, All Japan, all that stuff. And I was intimidated in the style because I had been in the ring with some guys uh, that did the style and me being new years ago oh they just knocked me out like man like if you knock me out how do I continue the match we can right. have a solid match where we hit yeah. hard and safe places but I was kind of fearful of the experience because I had been in the ring with someone uh, earlier in my career that had that Japanese style and clothesline me <clears throat> knocked me out right I'm like where, where do you go from here you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to break you. I'm trying to make you. So again, finally joining the New Japan roster, you know, it was intimidating at first, even 18 years in the business. Uh, but something happens, uh, you know, for me when I become a fan of these guys, because I was a fan of uh, Kenta, Jeff Cobb, you know, Jay White, Tanahashi, you know, Kenta. These guys, I'm a fan of them. But something happens when I go from fanboying 
to now they're my competition now. I'm putting you know, on my You know what gear. it is? You know what it is? Is something happens when you get punched in the face. <laughs> when you get punched in the face, you can either curl up in a ball or you can you can explode and become that lion, that tiger. So that's what happens. And like I love the New Japan style. That's like my, my favorite style of wrestling. But uh, you you get in the ring and you know the shit's on and and you bring it and it's a beautiful style. And you've definitely ad- adapted well for it. You look like a million bucks in there. I saw some highlights. I was like, wow, man, this is, you got it, man. You, you, you're, you're killing it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm being physical and um, just what, a, you know, what a football player goes through. You know, I'm not trying to hurt anyone and knock teeth out or any, or any of that stuff, but I'm delivering, you know, a guy that I wrestled recently uh, that'll probably be airing and uh, in December, uh, Chris Lawler, I believe his name is. And man, this guy is a MMA guy. Uh, but I had some great, great matches with it. And it was like, almost like it was like Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit. Like that's mm. when you see it, it's just like, oh my good. Like when I'm in the ring with him, we're like, we want to kill each other, especially me. But nothing, nothing is where it's like I'm knocked out or he, breaks my arm because he could that was that fear in my mind and i've never been in the ring with a, le- a legit you know mma guy you know he could break my arm if he wanted to but he was such a joy to be in the ring with i gave him a clothesline and over the top and he turned into it uh and when we were in the back i said hey man i love how you turned when i gave you that clothesline he's oh yeah i took that from kurt angle i'm like Yes, yes, because it, it just looks so different. It, it wasn't pretty at clothesline. I mean, he didn't just go over like that. He, he, he turned into it. The little details, I just, I fell in love with this guy. This, this, awesome, uh, this, this, this filthy brawl, I just fell in love with him. But yeah, it's my magic, man. Is, it's magic, yes, bro. When, yes, when you get in yes. the ring with somebody and it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does happen, man, it's, it's, it's magic and you just back and forth and, and you just, the styles gel and there's like um, nothing like it, man. And I always say that there's, there's no high like it in the world, man. You get in the ring and exactly you have that great match and the crowds into it. It's, 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 you come back and you're just like, yeah, this is incredible. Oh, oh, and I know you've had plenty of those for me, you know, I, I sprinkle sprinkling some good matches with, you know, quality opponents, but, yeah, I'm having some quality stuff on New Japan, man, that I think the fans and the wrestling world are going to be very happy with. I'm glad, and I'm glad I'm being given another opportunity to do what I do, you know? I can right. talk the way I want to talk. I can wrestle the way I want to wrestle and just and just do me, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I was getting jealous of some of my friends. I was getting jealous of you. You're doing big <laughs> things, you know? Guys like Heath Slater, he's doing great things. Uh uh, Rusev, you know, he's an AEW. All my friends are doing great things, and I have to be kind of hush hush about this New Japan debut. Now I'm happy. Now I can kind of toot my own horn now and represent. That's awesome, man, dude. I, it's, it's such it's, it's such a joy and a blessing to get that extra that that second chance, if you want to call it, and second and third and fourth and fifth chances. Yeah. But you get that another chance to go out there and do something that you love. It's um, it's it's special, man. It really is, you know. So I'm I'm, I'm really happy for you on that. You, what, do you do, what do you do um, out of the ring? You know, you, we, we talked about wrestling and obviously you're training because you're, you mm-hmm. look like a million bucks. 
um, asshole. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, so, no. Look at you, Tyler. <laughs> You're, no, don't, don't get me started with your uh, videos on Instagram. You pumping iron in the home gym. You look great. Health is that, wealth, baby. That's when I'm, I'm feeling lean. I go, you know, I feel pretty lean or not. I'm going to do a video. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> right? yes, yes. I always say, I always say, why hide hard work, man? Show it off. That's true. Yeah, man. That's you're you're right there. What so? What do you do outside of the ring? What are your hobbies? Well, well, luckily, you know, I have to always knock on wood. You know, social media is a second job. So it is. uh, Even before the pandemic, but right when the pandemic hit, I've been very lucky to um, um, get with different uh, sponsorships like uh, Celsius Official Energy Drink. Uh, a plethora of keto snack companies. Uh, I'm very big into the CBD and all that wellness uh, stuff like that. So I've been very lucky to use my social media to, um, you know, as a way to people always wondering, oh, what supplement am I taking? What snack am I taking? People are always curious. So for right, me to use, right. use I am. I, I text you a couple of times and say, what are, what are those? <laughs> those good? <laughs> what are those snacks, man? I want some of those. <laughs> Exactly. So it's just me personally reaching out to these companies, building a relationship. And of course, to make content, it's time consuming. Like some days I'll literally take a day to create uh, videos, pictures, you know, captions. So all I have to do is just preload it and just when the time is right, hit send and it's shown to the world. So stuff like that takes time. So you got to get compensated. We're, we're, we're a business before people send me product and uh, you know, I'll share it, but you know, I have bills to pay, you know what I mean? So a lot of these, a lot of these sponsorships have been uh, taking care of me. So that's, that's, that's one thing I do. And also on top of the pandemic with fans and family and friends, I've been helping them with, uh, diets and workouts to kind of, you know, get them through this pandemic, uh, how to do workouts outside, how to do workouts indoors. So that's my kind of way of giving back because I've been blessed enough to do my musical this year, to work for New Japan, to work with my sponsorship. So as a way of giving back, I've been helping others try to meet their goals. You know, I say health as well. I always say, I don't want to be one of those guys that's done with wrestling and like my hips are thrown off because that whole saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. So every day I'm on the ladder, the agility ladder, every, every morning, quick feet, slow feet, don't eat, you know? So I'm always moving, always moving. So that's what helps me stay in shape. High volume squats. I haven't touched a weight since March 15th when Jim's get closed. out of so here. I've been, you look, yeah, oh I've my been, God, do you look awesome, man? Yeah. I've, I've been doing, I'm, I'm leaner than I've ever been before. Uh, so I've been doing lots of squats, air squats, weighted vests, jump roping, ab wheel. Uh, I have my resistant bands, heavy to small. Uh, so that's what's been helping me maintain. And um, I'm happy. I'm happy. I feel good. I look good. And, yeah, I just want 2020 to end. So hopefully 2021, I can go to Japan and actually compete in Japan because that's that's where it's at for me. Uh, I can I can die the next day if I can compete in Japan. That's that that's my goal. That's my goal. That's my that's my my favorite country besides United States to work in is J- is Japan for sure. You you what's yours? Do you have one? Uh, 
Oh, fa- oh, favorite country? Yeah, what's your favorite country? Yeah, I'll restart that. That's oh, my man. favorite country is uh, Japan to work in uh, outside of the United States. Do you have uh, a favorite country that you like working in? Well, I mean, I love the UK because anywhere in the UK, we go out there twice a year or so. So when we go out there, um, people love us. You know, they react to everything. You know, fans in the States, I love the fans in the States, but they're spoiled. They get a lot of us, you know what I mean? So you'll get some people sitting in the crowd like this, you know, just like they've been to their third or fourth WWE show. So in the UK, I I always enjoy going over there. Um, But yeah, Japan is where I need to go next year. So that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. And plus, you know, they got good food out there and I wouldn't mind living out there either. Yeah, man, it's uh, you're gonna love it, man. Japan's amazing, great. Um, you're big into respect, and they're very a respectful country, and it's very, it's, it's awesome. It's really, it's, it's. I love, I love every time I get to go to Japan. I, I love it for sure. And what, oh yeah. man, I love the Japanese men. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the ladies, Japanese ladies, for me, man, they're they're. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what um uh, what kind of music you listen to bro uh i'm an r&b head you know i love yeah. my relaxing music like probably people you would know uh like brandy monica luther vandross yeah, stevie yeah. wonder the, the, like the old timers those are the ones i love you know mm-hmm. i can listen to r&b when i work out before a match to, it just calms me down. Uh, I would say there's a time and a place for the hippity hoppity and all that other stuff. I love all music, but R&B is just where it's at. For yeah, R&B's are jam, man. Yeah, yeah. Man. I mean, there's there's people like uh, when I get into like a Maxwell or uh, yes, you know, an Erica Badu, and yeah. oh man, they're just so shade. They're just so just just chill, good. You know, you can you can get up to it or you can chill out to it. I, I love that, man. And then, like, uh, uh, funny story, when I, would, um, when I would drive Mark Henry around, like, at first, when he started riding with me, the music just would, after a show, like, my energy's all up. I just need to calm down, you know? The music, right. he's got the hip-hop horn, and I'm driving. And I said, Mark, I can't listen to this. I said, if you want me to drive, you got to put on something relaxing. And he would always, uh, he would always put on something relaxing for me, so I could drive. And his wife would always, uh, Jana would always, <clears throat> when we get to the next city, she would always call Mark, and she would always thank me. Oh, Fred, thank you for driving. You know, I know Mark falls asleep at the wheel, so I always say I can talk <laughs> crap about him all I want because I drove him around. That's right, Big Mark, Marcus. I love him to death. As long as he yes. doesn't grab you with those big ham hocks of his hands <laughs> My yes gosh. yes 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 legit mark henry the strongest man in the world and legitimately he is that's that's uh well it's crazy the strength man well i would love because he doesn't like when fans touch him like this oh so yeah I- I would always see it beforehand at the airport where he's sitting down. I'm like, oh, my God, the fans are going to do it. And I recorded it a couple of times because I know the, the fans start surrounding him like pterodactyls, him or the big show. But uh, Mark <laughs> but Mark Henry, it always happens. Someone, someone touch him, and he's like, hey, man, get your hands off of me. I'm not a pet. So every time. 
I remember one this time big, thought, this big this big ass guy with his his head. He looks like the predator man when he has his yeah. long, long hairs and his head is man. I mean that's somebody, and he's such a teddy pair. But if you get him mad, you know he's like, hey, get your hands off me. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, I remember I just, I at this yeah WrestleMania after party, we were sitting at the table, and someone came up behind him and like kissed him, and he turned around. <sighs> And he went to go punch uh, the person, and it was Pat Patterson. Oh and uh, <laughs> then Mark said, "Mark said, Pat, you lucky it's you. You lucky it's you, <laughs> because he he was gonna knock someone out. <laughs> oh man, he'll kill you with a one punch. It'll kill you, <laughs> you know. And Pat, you know, yeah. Pat. Oh, look at that thing. Yes. You go yes. banana. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Awesome, yes. awesome." Hey, man, so we finish up this podcast always with a little bit of some rapid-fire questions, a little bit like your podcast also. Yeah, good. Yeah, man, totally, totally. So let's, I'm going to throw a couple of things at you real quick and uh, no right or wrong answers. Just see what – get the fans a little bit more uh, about, uh, about what Freddie likes. So. Yes. All right? All right, so Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? These are some tough questions, man. Okay, so I'm going to give you some, but... Yeah, Hulk Hogan. Okay, Hulk Hogan. Uh, are you, were you an NWO guy or a DX guy? DX. Nice. Were you a Randy Savage guy or a Ricky Steamboat guy? Oh, Ricky Steamboat, number one, number one. The best, right? Great guy, too. I love yep. Ricky. Uh, were you The Rock or Stone Cold? Rock. Eddie or Rey Mysterio? Always loved Eddie. Always loved Eddie for his intensity, how just like, just everything, everything you guys did had snapped to it. And it just, it just didn't look pretty. One thing about me, uh, like I was told at one time, my stuff's too pretty, you know, too smooth, too smooth. And then years, that's when I first started. Now, years later, I always became a big fan of Fit Thinley. You know what I mean? So it's good to be scrappy. And like, if something gets messed up, you know, not even messed up, you know, it just looks real. You know what I mean? I agree. Eddie. I agree. Ray sucks. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I love Ray. He's a, a family member. Yes. Um, some off the wall little... Uh, Russell questions. Were you a Waffle House guy or a Cracker Barrel guy? Do I have to pick one? You got to pick one. Uh, okay, I'll say Cracker Barrel, but Waffle House, like the Usos, they want to go to the Waffle House. I don't, any Waffle House that we went to, I did not like it. it, it it's very dirty in there. <laughs> the, it, it is what it is. I was not happy. So when guys would want to eat there, I would be like this. Mm -mm. And that for people who are listening, uh, that's something that wrestlers were always on the road and there's a lot of things that aren't open. So sometimes it's just Waffle House and sometimes, you know, Cracker Barrel, Cracker Barrel. I was, I'm a Cracker Barrel guy, but you know, there's, I've, I don't think I've ever been to Waffle House um, earlier than 2 a.m. <laughs> it's always, you know, the mm. last thing, you know, last resort, but. Uh, I'll eat a protein bar. I'll eat a protein yeah. bar, but not Waffle House. Uh -huh. Nice. All right. Uh, are you a, Palm Springs guy? Or are you a Las Vegas guy? I hate Vegas. Anytime we went Vegas, like I like the gambling. Like yeah. I don't gamble, so it's just like I, I just don't like the atmosphere, the gambling. Like I don't like losing money. But I I I was just in. Wait, what was the other city you said? 
Palm Springs, baby. Yeah, I was just in Palm Springs uh, Palm two Springs. weeks ago. Yeah, Palm Springs is my big. jam, man. I love Palm Springs. <laughs> it's awesome, man. I, I do. Then I gotta say it, man. The gay dudes know how to do it right, man. They they have they're the best. It's the best food, the best drinks. They're the nicest guys. I have so much fun when I go to Palm Springs. Me and my wife yeah. go there, and we we go and it's just like it's it's we go to the pools and hang out. And, oh, it's so much fun. They just like great guys, great people, and just um, that's that's our jam for sure, you know. And it's close. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Two weeks. I was very naughty there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Boxing or MMA? MMA, MMA. Nice. Are you a dog or cat guy? Oh, dog, dog all the way. New cars or vintage cars? New cars, new cars. <laughs> all right. Um, and the last one here. Are you a sativa or an indica guy? <laughs> <laughs> Got to throw it in, man. I got to throw it in, you know? Come on. We're in Southern California. It's oh, legal. Yeah. Yeah. I got glaucoma. I just, 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 just making sure my glaucoma's all right, you know? <laughs> oh, uh, only, only for the CBD properties. That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> well, for, uh, for this sit-down, sativa, because, nice. I mean, I'm like this, right. you know, uh, the, the indica put me to sleep you know so i like it yeah. both man i like it both yeah. you know right right and do, and do it responsibly you know i'm oh, not sure. like one of those i'm not one of those guys now you're not gonna see me like snoop dog right, you know right, you're right. gonna see me just doing it in my own way so well, that's time another thing time and a place for everything i always say that you know and it's you know i'm not waking up in the morning and having a shot of tequila you know i'm not waking yeah. up and smoking a bong <laughs> Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen, you know. Hey, when I was with WWE, I was called the medicine man, baby. See, I didn't know that. You just told me this on the last <laughs> indie show that we were at. We were on North Carolina or something. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? Medicine? Yeah. How come I didn't medicine know man. this? We would have had a lot more fun. What the heck? Medicine, yeah, medicine <laughs> man. Yep, yep, yep. I love it, man. So tell everybody where, what you got going on and where they can find you right now. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at my government name, not Darren Young, at Real Fred Rosser, R-E-A-L-F-R-E-D-R-O-S-S-E-R. -S -S -E you can follow me on my podcast as well, Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast. And yeah, I have a YouTube channel, Fred Mr. No Days Off Rosser. I always say don't die with the story and you tell it. So I'm very happy to have had this opportunity to chat with you again you're you're one of the only guys that i follow on my my on my facebook when it comes to wrestlers you know um right. maybe a handful of guys uh you titus uh, uh kurt hawkins uh just a handful of guys that i follow on my personal account so it's an honor to be on your uh new podcast i'm very happy very happy thanks no thanks for being on it man i really appreciate you taking time out of your day Pro and Bro podcast. I've been on it. Really, really good. Really informative. I loved it. It was great. And that kind of gave me the idea to kind of throw this one out there a little bit. So I, uh, my hat's off to you. I'll be forever indebted. And man, just thanks for taking the time, man, and uh, sharing a little bit of your, your story and your life and uh, what makes you tick a little bit with the fans. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, man, it's, yeah. uh, that's cool, man. I'm glad that uh, you're able to come out here and, uh, and, and join me in this little journey. Any time and congratulations on your success. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Always brothers, man. I always say once we're, uh, you know, you're, you've lived the life, the rest of life, you're, uh, you're part family to me, man. Yeah. So uh, I, I really appreciate you doing this and look for you in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm going to see you kicking ass over there. Thank you, Travel. And uh, you live close, man. I know you're in L.A., so uh, you're up, if you're ever in Orange County, hit me up and we'll, uh, we'll go grab some food or whatever, right, my Absolutely. friend? Absolutely. Absolutely, right. I will. All right. Respect to you. Thank you, my brother. I love you. And uh, keep in touch, brother. I love you, Travel, too. Block the hate, baby. That's right. Block the hate always. And viva la raza. Get his pants on.